Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. This is your host, Deacon Andrew Brazier. Let me start off with a, a poem, not of my own making, but it's one that apparently the author has been lost. Some claim that it was John Bunyan. There's been other disputes, but nevertheless, listen to these words with me. To run and work the law commands, it gives me neither feet nor hands. But better news the gospel brings, it bids me fly and gives me wings. You know, the scriptures can be broken down into two fundamental categories, like this poem is, is teaching us, the law and the gospel. And it may surprise you to learn that the gospel can be found in the Old Testament, and the law can be found in the New Testament. But typically, one finds the law outlined in the Old Testament, and you find the anticipation of the gospel there as well. And then you also find in the New Testament the fulfillment of the law, the fulfillment of those promises laid out in the Old Testament by God Almighty. So let me take you to a time in which the law was lost. The Word of God had been neglected for so long by the people of God that it was lost and only rediscovered thanks to a boy king. <clears throat> but should it really surprise us that a child is the one who leads the nation of Judah to repentance? I mean, after all, it is our Lord Jesus who placed a child on his own lap and taught that we all must become like children if we are to enter the kingdom of God. Now, Josiah became a king at the tender age of eight. He was the first king in 57 years to be recorded in the Kings and the Chronicles as a good king who wished to fulfill and follow the Lord. We learn in the Old Testament reading that King <coughs> Josiah, at the age of 26, sent his secretary to check on the status of the temple as it's being repaired. When Josiah's secretary goes in to speak to the high priest, Hilkiah, the high priest casually, perhaps unaware of the importance of the discovery, tells the secretary, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. The secretary, Shaphron, reads the law of the Lord, and then realizing its importance, goes and reads it to the king, to Josiah. And what does King Josiah do? He responds by tearing his clothes when he hears the law of Moses read to him. Now, why such a dramatic reaction? Because he heard the curses that his ancestors swore to endure should they fail to uphold the covenant of the Lord. And indeed, the people of Judah had failed for upholding the law of the Lord for generations. As the king so eloquently states, For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book, to do according to all that is written against us. 
Friends, this is what the law of God does. It convicts us of our sin. It reveals us for who we really are. It exposes us to the bright light so that all may see. And so therefore, King Josiah, he immediately told the high priest, his secretary, and his servant, seek out a prophet to go and find. What will the Lord have me do? And so the prophetess Huldah tells them, Thus says the Lord God, the God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring a disaster upon this place and upon all of its inhabitants. All the words in the book that the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and made offerings to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the work of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be kindled against this place, and it will not be quenched. And now, although King Josiah, he wishes to repent for his people's evil, he wishes to reform the people of Judah. We learn that the law of the Lord will be upheld. God's judgment is coming. And once again, we just heard the law, but now pay attention and hear the gospel from the very same prophetess here in the Old Testament. When she tells them, But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent, and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and you have torn your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you will be gathered to the grave in peace. And your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place. So as to King Josiah, God is merciful. Why? Because King Josiah had a heartfelt repentance. And the Lord in his graciousness, he delays the coming judgment for Judah. It's good news for King Josiah and for those living under his reign. And now let us turn to the Gospel of St. Matthew. Now, Christian, it's not as though the law has been relaxed. No, our Lord says in today's Gospel, He even lays down the law and explains, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's law. How can your righteousness exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees whose job was dedicated to reading and interpreting the law of worshiping God in the temple. How can our righteousness and our holiness and our faithfulness to God be greater than those who spend all day in the monasteries 
praying to God and praising Him. What a wretched place we stand before God, unable to achieve our own righteousness. And this, my friends, is the law of God. Once again, exposing us to the reality of our status. Sinners in the presence of the Holy One of Israel, Jesus the Christ. It's akin to to what Isaiah says when he has a vision of the Lord. Woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. That's Isaiah speaking the reality of what the law, what the Lord Almighty shows us when we see him face to face. But, even in Isaiah, the Lord sends down an angel to take a charcoal from the altar in the heavenly throne room and places it on his lips. A beautiful response to Isaiah proclaiming the truth. I'm I'm a man of unclean lips. And God says, I will make you clean. He doesn't even verbalize it, just through the action of sending an angel with a charcoal upon your lips. That's beautiful. That's gospel. That's good news. But God, thanks be to Him, He tells us His plan within the same paragraph that our Lord Jesus Christ says in the reading we just heard. Jesus may have not come to abolish the law, but He did come to fulfill it. And that's important. He came to undo the curse that hangs upon us. He comes to abolish the penalty that goes with the curse of violating God's holy law. That is, namely, death. He came to end that power that death has. Because death has a power over all of us. Even for those of us who don't think about it, or try not to think about it, it's because we know we have a finite time on this earth. That it's so appeasing to go out Be merry, drink, have fun, for tomorrow we may not be there. It's too easy to give into the thoughts of go do whatever you want to do. You be you. Because in the back of our mind, we may not want to talk about it or think about it, but it's because I won't be here someday. But with Christ, he destroys that power of death and says death is no more. He's going to give us everlasting life, a life into the age that is to come. That this is not all that there is, thank God. There is so much more. So where Adam disobeyed God and brought about death into this world through sin and error, Jesus comes to turn this world upside down, back on its head again. And we don't realize it sometimes. Sometimes we settle in too much to the ways of the world and think, this is just how it is. Not realizing that We live in the upside-down world, and that things are going to be righted. Simply put, we're weak creatures who cannot live up to the expectations of the law. To be perfect, just as the Lord God Almighty is perfect. But instead of condemnation and wrath, God sends His Son to rescue us while we are weak. In our sins. The Father sends the Son, and then the Son puts on our weak flesh, and He lives a perfect life to the law. So Christ has accomplished His fulfillment of the law through His death on Calvary. And He hangs upon that tree of death, that cross, and He's giving over His life for our life. So that when He says on the cross, It is finished. 
we know that it's true. Because three days later, death cannot hold him, for he is the one by whom heaven and earth was made. He rises from the dead to give us life, and his life is now within our own, so that we may care for the garden that he has given us. And hence, Jesus tells us before he even ascends into heaven that we have a mission. We have a mission as the church. We have a mission as the church, which is the body of Jesus Christ here on earth. And now hear my words. That mission is not to save ourselves. Our Lord has done that so that we may now work towards the mission he gives us. The mission is to proclaim the good news of what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. This is why Matthew will end his gospel. Spoiler alert, Matthew's going to end his gospel by telling his apostles to go forth and baptize in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And surely I will be with you, even until the end of this age. So when Jesus tells us that we're the salts of the world, that we are to be purifying agents in this rotting world around us, But if we lose our saltiness, here's the warning. That is, if we depart from Christ, then what good are we? The Lord answers, we're like salt that lost its saltiness. What good is it? It's no good. And it's to be thrown down on the streets to be trampled. So how? How shall we be salty in this world? Because the Lord, he also tells us, you are the light of the world. But again, how? We know our hearts. We know the darkness that lies within us, the lies, the cheating, the selfishness, the ignorance of God's call of repentance and righteousness. And it's only by virtue of the Lord's Holy Spirit living within us that then we can truly be transformed to be lights to the world. And notice how powerful it is that our Lord calls us to be light in the world. After all, we heard last Sunday how Simeon held the baby Jesus and declared according to Isaiah that he is the light for a revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And now, now Christ, the light of the world, is telling us to be lights for the world as well. And the glorious good news, the gospel is that he accomplished it all. He accomplished and fulfilled the law on our behalf. And then, and then he became so united with us by virtue of the Spirit living within us that he lives within us so that we can be light to a fallen world. How? How do I receive this light? How, like the woman at the well, do I drink this living water? By virtue or our baptism in the water, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and our repentance or turning away from our sins in our past lives. For as the articles of religion tells us, it is a sign of regeneration or new birth, whereby they that receive baptism rightly are grafted into the church. Remember, that's Christ's body, the church, grafted into the church. And the promises of forgiveness of sin our adoption to be sons of God by the Holy Ghost are visibly signed and sealed by that water. Faith is confirmed and grace increased by virtue of prayer unto God. 
St. Paul tells us in the epistle reading that we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things given to us by God. For we have the mind of Christ, the life of Christ, the mind of Christ, with the body of Christ, and we receive the Holy Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit of Christ lives within you and within me. He is so close and so near and so united with our hearts that our old, darkened clay vessels of our heart are transformed into living mirrors reflecting the glory of God. And that image of God that we're to reflect is that of His Son, Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate reflection of God the Father Almighty. And how do we reflect God in all of His glory? How do we glorify Him? Our Lord told us in the Gospel, in the reading from St. Matthew, through our good works, so that we may give others reasons to give glory to your Father who is in heaven. He has saved us for this purpose. He's redeemed us for this purpose. He's accomplished the law for this purpose, for the good news that we are now redeemed, bought back from Satan, death, from the evil one. So now that we can go forth as light of the world to do good works, to do the mission that he has called us to do, because he saved us, not to save ourselves, but because he saved us, now we go out into the world. Friends, we're near the season of Lent. And in fact, over the next three Sundays, we're in pre-Lent. It's a time to prepare our hearts and our spirit. And the Latin phrase is printed on the front of your bulletin. What it means is 70. As in, we are 70 days from Easter. So Lent begins 40 days from Easter. In other words, we have three weeks until Lent will begin for us. What I ask of you to do is to use this season, this opportunity of pre-Lent. Use it to dwell upon the state of your own soul. Think about it. How can you submit to the mind of Christ? Perhaps the Holy Ghost is moving you. Moving you to discipline yourself. To disciple yourself. To be discipled by the Word of God. To be discipled by the church. Through regular, vigorous prayer. Maybe there's someone who's in need at this time in your life. And their efforts to help them are what you're being called to do. Perhaps you're already helping someone. But maybe you know it's not really from a pure heart. And you need your heart to be cleansed, your soul to be cleansed and revised, so that your will matches the will and the gracious heart of our Lord Jesus Christ, who came to serve and to save many. This, this is a time for us to become heavenly minded, to live like light the Lord Jesus has called us to be in a world of suffering. Do not waste this opportunity. For the Lord is returning. And He's returning to see whether or not we were good stewards of 
His Holy Spirit, which He has placed within us not to treasure, not to hold close to ourselves, not to put into a lockbox, but to share with the people in this world who are desperate for love and in need for forgiveness and need transformation that only life in the Spirit can bring. So let's return to the poem that I started with. And I made a little addition to it. You can tell me later if you like it or not. But let's think about these words and what the Lord is calling us to do. Calling us to become. Calling us to be for others, our neighbors in our lives. To run and work the law commands, it gives me neither feet nor hands. But better news the gospel brings, the Lord has died and given me wings. His spirit guides and leads me out to love my neighbor without doubt. Heavenly Father, we ask you to place the love within our hearts that is not there, to kindle the love that is already there, and to burn within us a passion to go out into the world and to burn out bright as lights for you. Let it consume us, and even if it destroys us, let us rejoice in knowing that you are the light of the world, and you have set a fire, and this fire is a baptism of your Holy Spirit, which we praise you and thank you for receiving when we went into those waters of your baptism. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. We hope that you visit us in person. We have Sunday worship uh, every Sunday at 1030 in the morning. And you can visit us on our website at www.goodshepherdacna.com or visit us on Facebook at Good Shepherd ACNA. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. It not only makes us feel better, but more importantly, it helps those who are searching for Anglican podcasts find podcasts like this one and other ones that are out there on the web. Thank you, God bless, and have a good one. The Lord be with you, and with thy spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is meet and right so to do.